Hey, welcome to the Trinity Podcast. I'm grateful you're listening to this. It's about the Psalms, the Bible's prayer book and mixtape. This is a podcast for Lynchburg, for Trinity Episcopal Church, and for you, wherever you are. Let me know what you think over email at gail at trinityepiscopal1.com. Let's hear Psalm 7 today. Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Lord, my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, or if I have repaid my ally with evil or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Arise, Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God, decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you while you sit enthroned over them on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. Bring an end to the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. You, the righteous God, who probes minds and hearts. My shield is God Most High, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword, he will bend and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons, he makes ready his flaming arrows. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. The trouble they cause recoils on them, their violence comes down upon their heads. I give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord, Most High. Psalm 7 is a prayer of lament, hope for deliverance, and some moral instruction. Some of the closing verses about what evil does to the evildoer show that even before God judges you, you are hurting yourself. Verses 1 through 9 are spoken in the first person and talk directly to God for the most part. And the following verses is the third is done in the third person and addresses the speaker's human audience with talk about God. Verses three through five betray the speaker's deep anxiety that they have done something to deserve this treatment, this deserving of having enemies. Little does the psalmist know they're covered by the Book of Common Prayer confession by what we have done and by what we have left undone. That line in our confession, I think the undone really covers our own unknowing. Much like in the psalm before this one, Psalm 6, there is an audience. There are people gathered around the psalmist. This psalm is witnessed by others. We could infer that it's a liturgical moment, that um, lament is part of worship, and this confidence and complaint and confidence in God may be intended to be instructive. I think many popular conceptions of the Psalms, ones that are done um, as if the Psalms are um, neat, tidy, if they are only comforting, talk about the Psalms that um, doesn't let them be jagged and searing um, are emotionally and spiritually dishonest 
Um, but once again, that take is very well marketed to you in the uh, <laughs> Lifeway bookstore. But um, I really like what John Calvin says, that the emotional honesty of the Psalms is a protection against hypocrisy. Hmm. A word to us all. As for Psalm 7 and comfort, um, Psalm humor is um, rough out here. So here is what qualifies as a big joke in Ellen Cherry's commentary on Psalm 7. Here it is. Brace yourself. Hearers of this song are at best only indirectly encouraged. Hmm. I'm thinking about the image of God as judge. Following the traditional link of David as the author of many of the Psalms, some commentators link 2 Samuel 15 to the background of Psalm 7. This takes part, um, so in the trajectory of the David story, this is right before his son Absalom's coup and conspiracy against him. Here it goes. Absalom would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a description, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me, and I would see that they would receive justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice, so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. Apparently, David had neglected to appoint judges for these cases, and the people were disgruntled. Um, they had no, they had no recourse and reckoning, and Absalom saw an opportunity, and he takes it. But the Bible sets God as the final judge. Justice is a part of God's love, and as is mentioned in this psalm, so is wrath. God loves us too much to leave us in hurtful places and at the mercy of hurting and hurtful people. God's love can be justice, and God's justice is loving. The victim is restored, and the oppressor is healed from what makes them cause others pain. God can make it a final and powerful reversal in a way our legal systems can't. I'm thinking of God's justice this week. Um, if you've been following the news, you know about the Chauvin verdict in Minnesota. And as the verdict was announced, I saw very different reactions from white friends and from black friends. And I think it's worth, <laughs> oh, I know it's worth thinking about y'all. Um, I saw white voices saying, this is justice. This is accountability. I saw black voices saying, this is, um, this is a step that was only taken because the evidence was uh, too firm. This is meant, um, it's not justice because George Floyd is, <laughs> is dead. Justice would mean alive and able to be with his daughter. Justice would mean um, the systems get dismantled. Justice would not mean um, 
this one scapegoat this one time in a week where Adam Toledo and Micaiah Bryant were killed. Look, I am a preacher. I get the white urge to look for a sign, to look for a sign of change, to look for a sign of hope and to pronounce it with joy. Um, but when that is bound up so deeply in the white urge to um, not listen to experiences outside of our own, I think that is uh, socially and theologically dangerous. And particularly in the wake of the state-sponsored crucifixion that we remember on Good Friday. Especially in Eastertide. Uh, you know, we're, we're still so close to it, we can't, we can't be forgetting it. Um, I really urge, um, I really urge following Black voices and Black thought on this one. I've found Austin Channing Brown's work to be really useful. I also recommend uh, Mariam Kaba for her work in prison abolition and restorative justice. These two voices have been um, really fruitful and challenging to ways that I have thought in the past and ways I look for hope in this moment right now. Mariam Kaba, Austin Channing Brown. And to close our reflection on Psalm 7, I thought I would read you a poem uh, it's a poem called Psalm 7, colon, Confession, Psalm 7, Confession, and it was published in Earth and Altar magazine, which you can find online, and pleasant surprise, I scrolled down to the bottom to read about who wrote it, and Kara Ellen Modisset is a postulant for priesthood in our own diocese of southwestern Virginia. Um, hey, it is a, uh, it is a tight denomination. All right, so here's her poem, Confession. Look at those who are in labor with wickedness, who conceive evil and give birth to a lie. They dig a pit and make it deep and fall into the hole that they have made. Don't play God, we hear, but we make our own births and we make our own deaths. In setting God aside, we are undone by our doing. We make things poisoned from the start under our own power for our own want. We can't craft oceans, or mountains, or a cedar, or a rising of a star, or the way fire turns to glass, and so need to sit for a while and listen to the tides and the wind and the heights, and the, break of, and the creak of branches, and be crucibles. Beautiful poem. Thank you for hearing about it. More next week. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.